Blog Talk Radio. Well, let me tell you something. Me, for one, ain't going to give up a little pleasure I get from screwing my old lady or anybody else, for that matter. What are these boobs? Elizabeth, what did you do to me? Where's my Johnson? What did you do to me, Elizabeth? You talk and think because you're the only one making any sense around here. But whether we find him or not, we've got to get off this damn island. All of us, now. You got a moral obligation. The right of self-preservation. Now you can run. You can hide. Now you can start to live like human beings again. This is our Waterloo, baby. Bus you up. Go for it. Well, here we go. The war is on. We're just waiting for the bell. Hey, everybody, there's the bell, and you know what that means. It's time for another Knockdown Drag Out Retro Rumble here on GRR, the Greg Reifstech Radio Network. It's six degrees of retro here on a lovely Sunday afternoon in Hollywood. Oh, we have a great challenger that's coming back this week. In the other corner, we have Trista, the video vixen Perez, coming back for a rematch. With your host here, Greg the Movie Maniac Reifstick. That's right, two retro experts going through six rounds of retro knowledge, trying to link six films of a certain genre. And this week, we are doing the Grindhouse films. That's right, Grindhouse a go-go here on Six Degrees of Retro. And I see we actually have... The challenger on the line. Hello, how are you doing, Trista? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, how's the weather up there in Portland? Oh, it's crappy. It's winter. <laughs> so it's rainy and gray. It doesn't even. I'm just gonna. Ev- I'm closing the blinds because I don't even want to see it. It's not worth looking at. Mm, it's 75 degrees here. Ah. <laughs> uh, Rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> I'm taunting you. You're my challenger. I have to taunt you a little bit. So yeah, uh, it's working. <laughs> so let's get down to it. Let's get down to it. We are doing Grindhouse movies this week. Why don't you tell me your first experiences seeing these films either on video or at the theater? Well, um, I think I mentioned uh, on the last episode where we squared off against each other um, that my parents used to take me to the movies all the time, and they didn't care what I saw. You know, (laughs) it was all about just going to see a great movie. And I would say, um, well, I saw Phantasm. That was kind of like the first movie that I saw that really, um, A, you know, scared the bejesus out of me, but B, also made me fascinated with this, you know, these sorts of movies. Um, And I would say the other movie that really made a big impression on me that's 
I would say would even more kind of fit in with what we're going to be discussing today was defiance with uh, Jan Michael Vincent, that whole, you know, vigilante taking on the street gang type of thing. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that kind of a movie later. Um, There are so many different pieces to the Grindhouse world. And I mean, my definition of Grindhouse movies is, and it's actually really simple, fucked up shit happens in the movie, period, (laughs) period. I mean, you, 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 you can have your, you know, usual, you know, like action film, your usual sci-fi film, your usual, uh, uh, you know, religious film, but these movies, something, there's a hook. And there were these producers that would come up with these odd ideas, these insane ideas, which we're going to present a lot of in today's show. And it was just, you watch the trailers of these movies. And when you were younger, you were like, wow, how the hell did they come up with that? That's some fucked up shit. If I said (laughs) that watching the trailer, I'd go, okay, I have to see this movie. How about you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the beauty of these films. I mean, they cover all the traditional movie genres, but there's just something, you know, crazy that happens in them that takes it you know, to a different place. You know, these are all B-movies. And uh, they're just uh, over the top with something. Yeah, the cinematic secret sauce, if you will. Let's call it that. Yes. (laughs) Ingredient X. Ingredient X. I like that even more. (laughs) All right. Um, So because yours definitely tops my uh, round one movie. I am going to let ladies go first and let's get into round one and your first grindhouse film. Okay. Well, I'm starting off with the baby from 1973. Uh, This movie just uh, blew me away. The first time I saw it, I did not see it as a kid. I actually saw it as an adult but it made a huge impression on me because it was one of these movies that I had no friggin' clue where it was going. And where I landed, you know, where it ends up at, I was, like, absolutely surprised, which was, you know, fantastic. Because, you know, when you watch so many films, you know kind of like, okay, I know this is going to happen next. You can kind of predict things. And this movie is totally unpredictable. Either that or the screenwriter couldn't figure anything out, right? Uh, you know, it was 73, so it might have been a little bit of column A and a lot of column B. Yes. <laughs> so who's in this movie? So uh, we've got Ruth Roman, you know, is in this, um, Anjanette Corner, and then the amazingly beautiful uh, Mariana Hill. Uh It's about this social worker who goes and she takes over the case about this, you know, family. They have a son who is an adult, but they just call him baby, and they treat him like a baby. He is literally an adult baby. And my first time encountering adult babies was, I think it was on HBO. I was watching 
some documentary, and it's like adult babies in Germany, like the sexual fetish. And this is not a sexual fetish, but it's just this weird, you know, this family is keeping the son as a baby, um, and I think it's just to get benefits from the state, basically. Yeah, I, I was watching the trailer and I'm like, this is a really interesting way of getting food stamps. I mean, yeah. <laughs> cattle prodding some poor grown man that is like worked into this, you know, corner. It's just, it, it, I never heard of this movie. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh my God, I must watch this film. This <laughs> right. introduced me to yet another wicked film I need to, uh, I need to be introduced to um should we play the trailer sure all right let, let's give everybody a taste here there wasn't enough room in toyland to escape the terror that rocked baby's cradle i notice you call him baby and the case history doesn't show any other name what is his real name just baby to baby, life was not a giant playpen. It was a living hell. He wasn't allowed to walk, he wasn't allowed to talk, but he was capable of it. Baby is a full-grown man trapped by three women with no way out. Parents took me to all kinds of 
stuff way too early too. But I uh, also had, I was a latchkey kid and around age 10 or 11, which wasn't a smart thing to be doing in Chicago, I would I smartly got a group of friends together and around five or six of us was Arthur and this guy named Foddy and a whole bunch of people. And I talked him in the, we look at the ads for this theater in downtown Chicago and it was called the woods. And this was the grindhouse palace. Like it was, it was incredible. You'd get these triple features. So that to us was wonderful. It was like $3, three movies, all day in the summer um, on like a Saturday or a Sunday. And it was wild because they'd give you like one sort of mainstream genre grindhouse movie, like escape from New York, something with like a bigger star in it with a little bit of gravitas who like, you know, later in their career, like Kurt Russell and escape from New York. And then you'd get, the second film, which was always a horror film, a really screwed up horror film, like a Dario Argento film or uh, uh, something like the movie Mausoleum. And then the third film was always some martial arts film. And you'd watch them in that order usually. Sometimes they'd switch the order of the horror film and the, uh, the Chopsaki movie. That's what we called them in Chicago, Chopsaki flicks. And... Yeah. Uh, there was also a theater called the McVickers that we'd go to where you, it was all martial arts films. So it was basically Shaw Brothers films, all the Bruce Lee ripoff films, all the films that ended up on like the martial arts, you know, afternoon movie on Saturdays would run their first. Come to the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you'd get that. And so it was just this wonderful, wonderful place. And the first film I remember seeing a trailer to there that was just, we need to see this. We must see this. And it took him a month and a half to get it. And it pissed us off was legend of the wolf woman. Wow. Do you ever see that one? I have not seen that. (laughs) It of course is this horrible film, which is one of those where it's a a woman. It's a rip off of the werewolf movies and the special effects were just dreadful. Like it, the transformations were literally like stop motion transformation. <laughs> <laughs> and if she's of course, butt naked and of course, like all of a sudden there's hair and there's more hair and there's more hair. And we're like 12 going, this movie is going to be godlike, you know? <laughs> and it was so Was horrible. this from Spain or was this an American movie? Um, I think it might've been an import. I think it might have just been given an American title. Um, I I haven't watched it since then, but something like that was indelibly, you know, planted in my head for life. So uh, another uh, triple feature. Well, I'll actually get into that later when I talk about horror stuff. But anyway, my first round film is the notorious Frankenhooker from 1990. Uh, you're very familiar with this film, I'm sure, aren't you? Oh, I love this movie. It also is one of my 10-star movies. It's <laughs> perfection. Why is it perfection to you? Um, it's made in 1990, but it does not look like it was made in 1990. It actually looks like uh, an earlier film. Um, it just gives off this kind of gritty sleaziness, 
you know, from an earlier time, maybe early 80s, late 70s, at least to me it does. And from the very start, from start to finish, it is just a fucked up movie. I mean, it's just on every level. Everything's just weird. And there's not many um, well-known people in it. But I have to tell you, the first time I saw it, I was super excited when I saw Heather Hunter was in it. Like I recognized her immediately, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Heather Hunter. (laughs) The other person that did it is uh, uh, Louise Lasser of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman fame, actually plays the mother in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, she's not in it enough. I wish there were more of her. I know. It's it's one of those where you know the director was doing somebody a favor because yeah. you know. <laughs> anyway, the movie this was a huge VHS hit, and that's when I saw it because I was working at uh, Blockbuster Video at the time, and this glorious box comes on the shelf, and it's like press the button, and it's called Frankenhooker, and it has a picture of Frankenhooker on it, and you hit the button, and it goes, "What a date!" And you just kept hitting it, and you knew somebody was renting that movie when you heard in the back of the blockbuster, what a day, what a day, what a day, like 10-year-olds are pushing this thing, you know. And it's this great film uh, starring James Lorenz as, of course, Jeffrey Franken, aptly named, and his girlfriend is Elizabeth Shelley, and he has to rebuild her, a la Frankenstein, uh, out of parts of hookers. It's, it's so, just great. Yeah. And <laughs> when you uh, I have mean, a guy sewing together a bunch of uh, a bunch of prostitute parts and uh, bringing them to life, uh, there's only one person that can direct this film, and then of course there's Frank Henenlotter, who also brought us the wonderful, wonderful Basket Case trilogy, and. You know, that whole series with Bilal and those characters were just their own world. And I always was hoping, especially because I'm going to play the end of the movie, I was always hoping for a Frankenhooker sequel, but I don't remember one being made. Do you? No, I don't think they ever made one, but it left it wide open. I mean, it should have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's play a little bit of uh, the Frankenhooker trailer and the ending of the film. In 1931, the world was horrified by the motion picture Frankenstein. In 1935, horror turned to terror with the bride of Frankenstein. In 1990, the makers of Basket Case and Brain Damage bring you... Frankenhooker. Jeffrey Franken has a plan. I just want to bring him back. He has the ingenuity. I need female body parts. He has everything he needs, except the raw materials. Just hold still. Oh, my God. On you. Wow! Jeffrey's creation is alive. Look at the Oh, yeah. He's sexy. Want a date? 
I'm on my way home, but uh, thanks anyway. I uh, gave Soldier the please. I'm looking for a very tall, attractive woman. She's purple. She's got fresh bars on her. She's in the bar. Now a motion picture like no other. <laughs>
it is the fame there was the famous box that again I caught this on VHS and we'd get these boxes and then I'm like street trash and there's a guy on a old time toilet and his hand is the only thing holding on to the old plunger and the rest of him has already started going through the bowl and he's like this technicolor goo and I'm like oh okay this is getting watched tonight for sure yeah. <laughs> for sure yeah, yeah yeah six pack and street trash what's happening and uh yeah I mean James uh Moreau directed this movie who actually has gone on to do camera operator work on like tons of big movies like Titanic and Fast and Furious. And he's actually directing episodes of Animal Kingdom right now. So it, it's a weird little wicked little film. You saw this on video, right? Um, you know what? I actually watched it on YouTube. Someone had posted um, a copy, I don't know, maybe a year ago. I saw it for the first time, and I mean, actually, it's the only time I saw it. It's definitely worth uh, repeat viewings because it is a very odd movie. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, um, the it's cover is amazing for the video. New York has its own genre of grindhouse films, and because of uh, Times Square the old Times Square being there and we'll get into that even more. I mean, that's where people, that's where these films were born. That's where they would usually first get shown is there. And in like the downtown urban areas of all the cities and this film just, it grabbed people in that way. It grabbed me on video and just all of a sudden I have like five guys in my basement going, Oh my God, these people are melting. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's up there with those kind of movies where, you know, people are, uh, you know, ingesting a substance and yes. it does not have the effect that they were hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like uh, for um Halloween I watched Trick or Treat. And it's always things don't work out the way you think. And hey, let's play this cassette of this, you know, this, this artist that I love. And uh oh, the back yeah. of mask is going to go wrong. You know, and it's a great that you bring up that point. In all grindhouse films, not only are they fucked up, but something terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, terribly, I think this terribly. would be a great double feature with the stuff. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. Um, I would love to see, you know, these those two movies like back to back. <laughs> and then just throw the blob in there for fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Soylent green. Yeah, yeah. All the <laughs> and soil ingesting things you don't think they are. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's let's play a little street trash. I don't need this. Are you tired of the same old routine? My wife, my Busting your hump and getting nowhere? This just ain't my day. The boss, is he always on your back? My ass belongs in your chair, not in your lap, which is where you keep trying to put it. You bad The wife. You know. And the kids. Is that right? They never listen. I hate to see him pissing his life away in them 
that write the taglines in these trailers, there's always a snake in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you can eat for less than free? Where can you yes. eat for less than free? What's less than free? <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. When you figure right. that one out, let me know, because I would love yeah. to eat for less than free. <laughs> less than free? Does that mean we have to does that mean we have to pay? To, they pay us to eat it. Is that yeah, it? I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, let's get into your round two film. I'm excited about this one because I hadn't heard of this one either. Oh wow! So uh, my second round film is um, connected to the first one by uh, Mariana Hill. Uh, she stars in this movie, too. It's called Messiah of Evil. And I always thought this movie was a foreign film, and it turns out it was made in California, so it's kind of foreign, but not. Uh, and it's about this woman who goes uh, looking for her dad. He's a famous artist, and he's living in this little, you know, uh, island, or not island, but like a beachfront community and he's gone missing and she finds out that uh there's some sort of weird cult in the area um of the undead and it's pretty scary it's from 1973 um it has a it just has this look to it that may i thought it was made maybe in spain it's got that kind of flavor to it um but I was surprised to find out that it that it was actually made in the states. Um, it's it's very bizarre and it's genuinely frightening. It had that vibe to it too when I looked at the trailer. It's just very uh, psychedelic. 
and mm-hmm. a lot of, again a lot of like a really wicked soundtrack that you'd get in the Argento and the Baba movies you know just really strange and odd and yeah I'm shocked too so really it was produced in California no foreign producers or anything like that that's amazing to me yeah um I I will say just as a forewarning to anybody who watches this film you're going to suffer through the theme song uh, that it play, that plays at the beginning and the end. It is so overwrought and over the top and just this sappy kind of 70s junk. Um, but just hang in there. It's not – I mean, it feels like it's lasting longer than it does, but you, it's worth sitting through to watch this movie. Oh man, I want to hear it now. <laughs> it's it's bad. <laughs> you got me all excited now. Oh my god. <laughs> the other great thing about this movie, it was my first time seeing a black albino. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, and he's he's fucking scary. He's mm-hmm. like really frightening. Uh, it everything works on every level in this movie. There's I mean the scares work. Um, the plot is mm, mostly coherent. Uh, it does have some – there are some parts where you're like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, but for the most part, you can understand what's happening. Um, and the her father's house is actually pretty amazing. I don't remember who did the set design or anything, but his – his house has his, you know, art all over the walls, and it's pretty scary-looking art. But the thing that I loved was there is, like, a swing in the living room that's a bed. It's like this big, giant platform swing. <laughs> wow. So yeah, her her father was, you know, might have been quite the man about town or something to have a bed in his living room. I was saying I've seen Taiwan baskets, but Jesus Christ, a Taiwan bed. I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And it works out pretty well because she does meet up with a guy and his two female companions, and they're definitely a threesome couple, uh, and they join her at her father's house. So, you know, it, the bed swing, you know, all makes sense. So it's all good. Awesome. Oh my God. I, another movie I need to see. Every time I do the show with you, I end up going and <laughs> having to find these films and watch them. It's amazing. That's the wonderful world of podcasting. Uh, let's are, you play into, uh, are you into Lovecraft at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Reanimator's Re- like one of my top 10 favorite films. Yeah. Okay. Then you will love this movie because it definitely <laughs> has that kind of uh, you know, seaside environment town, like there's something like this dark underlayer of, you know, even in daylight, there's just this sinister something at work, mm-hmm. something is off. Uh, it has that feel to it and it's, it works great. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, let's play the strange, strange music on this trailer. <laughs> Thank you. 
not far from here, there's a small town on the coast. They used to call it New Bethlehem, but they changed the name to Point Dune after the moon turned blood red. Point Dune doesn't look any different than a thousand other neon stucco towns. But what happened there, what they did to me, what they're doing now, they're coming here. They're waiting at the end of the city. They're peering around buildings at night. And they're waiting. They're waiting for you. And they'll take you one by one and no one will hear you scream. No one will hear you scream. some lungs on her, man. I know. No one will hear you scream, but if you scream like that, the chances are they just might. (laughs) (laughs) If you scream that loud in the forest, somebody's definitely going to hear you for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I love it. I love it. So so take us into your next round. Uh, So, uh, Yes, round three uh, is another movie from uh, 1973, and this one is um, connected by Anitra Ford, who's uh, one of the uh, swinging threesome in Messiah of Evil. Um, This one is called uh, Invasion of the Bee-Girls. There's a little bit of swinging in this movie, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This one, this this is just hotness. Pretty much. Uh, Basically, women are becoming queen bees and they're fucking men to death. That's what's going on in this movie. Uh, I wonder if it was rated PG. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) If it was rated. Yeah, if it was rated at all. I think this movie was uh, definitely uh, born from the women's liberation, uh, men can't take our power uh, movement. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just uh, I really love the touch that the these uh, the queen bees all wear like Jackie O glasses. I yeah. think that was making a statement of some sort, you know, mm-hmm. uh, about you know empowered women, but. Uh, yeah, it's just the premise is so crazy that even, you know, in the movie itself, when they're explaining to the townspeople what's happening, they laugh. Like, they, they don't even take it seriously. They're, they just think it's, you know, crazy. Yeah, but and we kind of laugh along with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, if you had to go... I think that's a pretty good way to go, right? Oh, this this is a lot of guys' fantasy film, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave this mortal coil, why not? Leave yeah, a smile I, on your face. And the uh the scene where they show how the the ritual that 
the women go through in order to become queen bees is really one of the sexiest things I've ever seen in a Grindhouse movie. And, I mean, mostly what you watch in a Grindhouse movie, even if it's like flat-out sex, is not erotic at all or sexy or a turn-on or anything like that. But in this movie, uh, just watching what they do to transform themselves into a queen bee, it's actually really hot. Oh, yeah, this is definitely a... a, a... It, it, it's it's so many things in one. It's why I really like this movie. You know, it's an erotic film. It, it's a crazy film. It's a, you know, what the hell is going on kind of film. <laughs> it it's has, a, it you has, know, somewhat of a police p- procedural movie, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but <laughs> twisted, you know. Quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, <laughs> it, it's a, it's it's one of those beautiful movies that came out of the seventies when producers were were able to get a whole lot of things made, and it got even worse going into the eighties. But the seventies was the birthplace of just these producers that would come up with these crazy ideas. It's like, yeah, let's have a bunch of women, you know, take over. It's like, yeah, okay. Sounds good. The guys will love it. You know, there's some producer chomping on a cigar going, that's a great idea. Let's get that <laughs> out of here. And you know this went over really well at the drive-in. Oh, yeah. This was a favorite, yeah. you know, for yeah. the people who actually saw what was happening on the screen and weren't otherwise <laughs> occupied. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's run this trailer. I, lo- I love the the and this trailer showcases the amazing dialogue in this film, just wall to wall. You know how they say they in the new trailers they always give away the good scenes. They kind of give away some of the good scenes in here, but it, it's great. Yeah. What strange erotic force was taking hold of the women of Peckham, California? What orgasmic ritual unlocked the hidden sexual appetites of these women? What changed them from everyday housewives into ravishingly beautiful women? What bizarre secrets threatened every man in town? The invasion of the B-Girls. Over the raw... Three points of uniformity I would like to bring out. One, all the victims have been men. They've all died apparently, and I'd like to stress the word apparently, by overexhaustion in the act of sexual intercourse. Total sexual abstinence. Well, let me tell you something. Me, for one, ain't gonna give up a little pleasure I get from screwing my old lady, or anybody else, for that matter. Abstinence isn't gonna be anything new around here. Well, if I were positive it was going to kill you, I'd do it. The United States government sent their top investigator to Peckham to try and stop this sex-driven epidemic. But you were the last person to see him alive on the night he was murdered. All right. You might as well know. 
We bawled and we bawled and we bawled till he dropped dead. of the B-Girls. Is there a man in your town who can satisfy the B-Girls? Rated R from Sequoia Pictures. I can, man. I can do it. I swear to God. My name's Biff. I can do it. Anyway. (laughs) I love how they infer that housewives can't be beautiful. It's like ordinary housewives turn into beautiful women because they weren't before. Oh, there's there's so much, uh, so many demeaning things in a lot of these trailers that we're playing on the show. Like later on, there's a film that, you know, just racist as all get out. It's like, <laughs> just like, yes, it's it's a much different time now, unfortunately. Yeah, it was just just accepted. It. It's like, yep, you're right. Housewives are ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and and. The fact that a film is made that, oh, God, they're evil if they screw you too much. You know, God forbid they, you know, have a sexual appetite. Oh, no, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, it's maybe an, an, a euphemism for a venereal disease of some sort, you know, where it's like, mm. you know. If you have all this fun having sex, then you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah, I don't believe in that, no. No. Not me either. <laughs> <laughs> this film's not deterring us, Trista, damn it. Yeah. No. Nope. The, the epidemic. You're going to need a bigger boat for that. Yeah. <laughs> I always love these movies too. They were all like, there's an epidemic of some sort that needs to be stopped and the government's going to come in and stop it. So, yeah. (laughs) But speaking of stopping things, let's go into my uh, next round. A little bit of a segue. Uh, Actor Vic Noto played the character Bronson, one of the street vermin in uh, Street Trash. And I'm linking him with, uh, he shows up in the movie Vigilante, uh, this this fine film from the '80s, uh, you 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 don't only have uh, you don't only have one awesome uh, genre star. You get two. You get Fred Williamson and Robert Forster in the same damn movie. I mean, if that doesn't get you to see a movie back then, nothing will. Yeah, you know, it, it it it's. Definitely, there was a whole genre that started with the Death Wish films that was the people need to take back the streets because all the towns are being crime-ridden and the people are sick and tired of getting, you know, uh, just bothered by these people and and raped and, and, and robbed and the streets are going crazy and you know, we're going to take up guns and we're going to, we're going to take them back. And this is a huge genre. You have the death wish movies. You have all the other vigilante movies. I'm going to talk about another style of vigilante movie later. And it it was just huge. One of these movies would come out like once a month 
in in the late 70s early 80s especially after death wish and like every small little rinky dink studio would would bring out a bunch of these and uh you even get uh in this one you get uh oh yeah the other uh film do you remember the exterminator oh yeah and exterminator too yeah yeah i mean <laughs> you know, just I'm going to take back the streets and you get uh, Joe Spinell in here. You get Britannia Alda, who of course um, went on to do a bunch of other great films and she has a pretty horrible rape scene in here and uh, just lots of crazy violence. And the reason this film, uh, I, I was, I was in like my mid teens and there was this theater called the Davis theater in Lincoln square, which was the German neighborhood in Chicago. And this, it was a second run. So it would also get certain movies first run. And I remember they got this vigilante movie first run and I'm like, Oh wow, this has got to be really messed up. <laughs> if it's running at the second run theater first and you know, like the general cinemas were like, no, no, this is too nasty for us. I'm like, oh, this is going to have like killing and raping and attacking and all the stuff when you're, you know, 15 years old and need to, you know, and the hormones are raging and you need to see some violence. This was the kind of movie to go see. Uh, oh, it's perfect for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any memories from this movie for you? Uh, yeah, this um, Fred Williamson kind of beating up people in slow motion, you know. Yep. He's not having to try very hard, I don't think. Um, I remember the, the thing that really got a laugh out of me was um, Robert Forster, like, going crazy in the courtroom after the, you know, the uh, gang member gets, like, a two-year sentence for, like, killing his wife. And... Yep. They they put him in jail for 30 days, but it's not – he doesn't go to, like, a county jail, which would make sense for, you know, being upset in a courtroom and, you know, going off. I think he gets put in, like, a major prison yeah, for yeah, 30 yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was pretty young still when I saw this, and I just saw a bunch of, like, bare-assed men which was kind of exciting for me because I'd never seen, like, that many. I might have seen, like, a single one, but, like, this was, like, rows of them. That was kind of, you know, that was new. Wow, that that was, like, uh, your my version of the Women in Prison movie, huh? All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we're just seeing the women in the boobs and the lathering up and joking around, oh, yeah, it's so great to be in prison. Oh, I'm naked and taking a shower. Prison is uh, amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah, or Bad Girls Dormitory or, you know, one of those movies. Yeah, yeah. You ever seen a bunch of guys get slap happy up in the prison? Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, it was fine for me. <laughs> it's good. All right. Let, let's play um, I, I, I found part of the speech, part of Fred Williamson's speech, and that leads into the trailer for Vigilante. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but me, I've had it up to here. There are some 40-odd homicides a day on our streets. There are over 2 
million illegal guns in this city. Man, that's enough guns to invade a whole damn country with. They shoot a cop in our city without even thinking twice about it. Now, oh, come on. I mean, you guys ride the subway. How much more of this grief we're gonna stand for? How many more locks we gotta put on our goddamn doors? Now, we ain't got the police, the prosecutors, the courts, or the prisons. I mean, it's over. The books don't balance. We are a statistic. can't go to the corner and buy a pack of cigarettes after dark because you know the punks and the scum on the street when the sun goes down and our own government can't protect its own people, then I say this, pal. You got a moral obligation, the right of self-preservation. Now you can run, you can hide, or you can start to live like human beings again. This is our Waterloo, baby. You want your city back? You gotta take it. Dig it. Asphalt jungle, an urban skyline of fear, waiting, watching, destroying. You're not safe anymore to walk the streets when every hour 163 more people become victims of assault. You live at the mercy of the animals who inhabit the streets of every city. People who place little value on their lives and even less on yours. You live in a country where 12 women are raped every minute, where 65 people are murdered each day. It's happening now. It's happening this minute. The police are powerless. The law is corrupt. And the courts turn them loose. figure that's the answer. That's my judge and my jury. There is only one alternative. It's time to take a stand. Because time is running out. You're not safe anymore. Their numbers are growing. And you must wage a war to eliminate the problem. Yourself. Vigilante. It's an urban skyline of fear, man. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me want to go out and pick up a weapon. Yeah, yeah. NRA will be very happy to hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very happy. Charlton Heston's going to get very excited. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I love this. I love hearing the crime statistics in this. I'm like, Wow, that's low. <laughs> Compared to now, I'm like, wow, can we get that back for like the entire yeah. country? Can we get just 12 rapes and 60-some murders? Okay, that'd be cool. Yeah. You know? 82 was a, a light year for crime, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, that's Chicago, like half a day in Chicago. You know? <laughs> My hometown, unfortunately. All right, let's get into uh, your next round, and this is the part of the show in looking at both of our films in this round. It's the 
crazy ass premise part of Six Degrees of Retro this week. And uh, why don't you get us started with the insanity? Yes. So my next film is uh, linked by actor William Smith. Um, who was in Invasion of the B-Girls. He's also in this movie uh, from 1972. We've got The Thing with Two Heads. Uh, I don't know how the hell this movie got made. I don't, I just can't even see it. Um, But it's about this old racist surgeon. Uh, He's been doing experiments with uh, transplants. And ends up getting the head of a black prisoner transplanted onto his body. And hilarity ensues. <laughs> I remember seeing this trailer for the first time in a movie called It Came From Hollywood. That was a uh, one of these compilation movies where it was like uh, Cheech and Chong and a bunch of other actors and they show these crazy grindhouse trailers and they'd sit there and make fun of the movies. And I remember seeing this trailer and I'm like, this has got to be, you know, this isn't a real movie. This, this can't have happened. And somebody's like, Oh no, it is. It's like a real movie. I'm like, get the hell out of here. This is like a Saturday night live sketch. Nope. It got made into a full film and yeah, it, it's messed up. I don't know how they could have sold it. I mean, I, it is so, I mean, okay, yes. So black exploitation was big at this time, but it seems like there were so many other ways they could have gotten like a star vehicle for Rosie Greer. You know, yeah. I feel like <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of other things he could have done that weren't this. I hope he but. got a good paycheck. That's all I. <laughs> One good thing about this movie, do you remember the ending? Like how it's so hokey. It's like it it just comes out of left field, and it's a happy ending with, like, a hymn playing no less. I mean, we've got a full-on religious song playing over the credits as our heroes drive into the the sunset because they're fucking happy that they've survived this whole thing, this whole whole ordeal. Uh, it's just kind of mind-numbing how this could happen. I mean, it's, yeah, it's odd. Is like a, uh, that doesn't even touch what this movie is. You know, Trista, with all the craziness in Hollywood right now, maybe we should, you know, try and finance a remake of this film. What do you think? <laughs> Ooh, who can we get to be in it? <laughs> let's just let's just seriously just like walk into like a producer and say, I got an idea for a movie. <laughs> and you know it's some young jerk in his twenties that has no clue about this film. And now that we're in Trump's America, can you imagine we might actually be able to get this film made? <laughs> uh, it's possible. You know, I th- <laughs> It's more of a plausible movie now, I think, than it was back then. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I actually was weird when I was watching this. I just kept I, – I, it was what I just said. I was like, oh, my God, this film might actually possibly be able to get made by some insane producer. But 
I could see some studio going, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> the way the world's going. And it would, I, of course, wouldn't want to be involved in it. I'm totally joking. But it is scary <laughs> the way the world is going that you yeah. could probably walk in and get this made by somebody at some damn studio. And, they, and you know, you know their first call would be to Denzel. You want to remake what? <laughs> this is going to be your chance at comedy. Come on. Yeah, we're going to what? take it up and we're going to class it up a bit. Why? By having you in it. It's, it's going to be you and Tom Hanks. It's going to be great. What? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how I'm totally getting off base here, but films, you wonder how they got made. I'm, of course, a huge fan of you know, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And then somebody at a studio goes, let's make two Wong Fu. Let's just do that. <laughs> and let's get John Leguizamo. And then let's somehow talk Patrick Swayze into getting the dragon. Sure. You, you, you know, Wesley Snipes don't want to do this. And it somehow got made. And it was so <sighs> bad. And it's <laughs> like, how? How did this happen? <sighs> Uh, okay, enough, enough of my uh, fantasy of making the worst film ever made. Let's. No, 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 no. We want this. It seemed like a good idea at the time. The white bigot was dying, and the black soul brother needed time to prove his innocence. More power to you, brother. I want to transplant my head on a healthy body. I think I like to donate my body to science after all. So they transplanted the white head onto the black body. Who would have suspected that neither would care for the idea too much? What are you guys doing to me? Shut up. Where's the rest of you? We are joined together temporarily. Williams, stop this car immediately. Why don't you shut up? Hey, that's telling him, man. I should have known your kind stick together. Will you please stop this infernal machine? Oh, just shut up. Help! Shut up. You a doctor? So far, so good. Then how about you taking an old happy face off of here? Are you shooting at us? Man, this car's a real dust. Could I have a cigarette? Hey, man, are we smoking while I'm eating? the window and see if any more is coming. Ray Milland and Rosie Greer as The Thing with Two Heads. You get some sleep, baby. Why don't you stay here for a little while? It's no use, honey. Maybe when I get used to it. Now you know you can...
It seemed like a good idea at the time. Oh, man. <laughs> Worst words were never never started a trailer. Oh, my God. I mean, did Rosie Greer ever do another movie? Like, I remember him in this, and I remember he was in an episode of Chips where he got, like, pulled over or something, and he was, like, super mad, and he, like, took his car apart piece by piece, just, like, mm-hmm. tore it apart. And that's it. I don't remember him doing another would thing. You, would Would you want Rosie Greer in anything after this movie? I mean, really? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's stick with. Let's stick with the. Uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time for getting movies made, and let's uh, go into yours first because we are uh, now adding another layer on to the. Uh, Onto the weirdness and animals attacking and revolting yes. against the human my, race. You go. <laughs> yes, this is one of my uh, favorite genres, subgenres of uh, horror. Animals run amok, uh, yes. and this is also from 1972. It's called Frogs. Uh, Ray Milland is in this, and he is the most hateful. I mean, he's so good at playing. People that you these roles of like people that you hate, like characters that you just you cannot wait to see something bad happen to them. Uh, he's like the patriarch of this family, and it's his birthday. And they live on this island, and uh, because of chemicals, all the animals on the island have gone batshit crazy, and uh, the family is pretty much just getting eliminated one by one. And that's uh, the beauty of frogs. Uh, do you remember the the cover for this movie? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a frog with a hand yeah. sticking out of its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> I hate when of it's my birthday and I get an- eaten by a frog. <laughs> of all the animals. To choose at least my when animals attack movie is kind of like okay at least this is menacing but frogs and yeah. the trailer is hilarious on the way they try and make them sound ominous but you're just wanting to bust a gut laughing through the entire trailer <laughs> and the movie is even stranger it is a weird ass movie yeah it's like it's made in some alternate universe uh, it, it is very odd, um, but I mean, it has it has its moments. You know, there's, <clears throat> I mean, well, it's never scary. Let's just say that right off no. the bat, it is no. never scary, but it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, you can't stop watching it. That's for sure. It, 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 people, you need to go. You need to see this movie, because again, when we keep saying this, and I feel like we're a broken record. How did this get made? That somebody yeah, sat in front of a studio and went, "Frogs, yeah, frogs, yeah, the frogs. They're gonna turn on." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the first time I saw this was on the three thirty movie in Chicago on ABC, when they'd have an animals attack week. And it was like uh-huh. bu- bug and this and the swarm and, you know, 
all the animals coming back and yeah. this is one of the most hilarious. Killer bees? Yes. Yeah. I get yeah. I'm scared of killer bees. Like bees they don't even have to be killer bees. Bees anything flying around me that could sting me, I'm afraid of. But somebody said, But what about frogs? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's play the trailer. Suppose nature gave a war and everybody came. The snakes, the birds, the lizards and frogs. And suppose that the polluters, the species on Earth called man, were the enemy in that war. I still believe man is master of the world. And then suppose that the human race lost. Adam Rourke, Judy Pace. First of all, we're going to have to try to find our steward and Michael. Be very honest with you. I don't think we will. Not alive, anyway. You're talking big because you're the only one making any sense around here. But whether we find him or not, we've got to get off this damn island. All of us, now. And I am asking to get the hell out of here with someone or by myself. <laughs> I want to get out of here either alone or either with someone or by myself. Who the hell wrote that? And how else would you get out of there? You either get out of there alone or by yourself. What other way is there? I don't understand. How do you put that in the trailer as like one of the great lines of the film? (laughs) You know, I think they just wanted to show, isn't that Judy Pace? Yeah, yeah. Saying that line, I think it's just that she's a beautiful woman. She doesn't yeah. say a hell of a lot mm-hmm. in the movie, so they had to pick something, and yeah. that was a, her big dramatic moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Trista, I hope you're with me on this. You know, if the frogs are going to show up and the snakes and everybody else, like uh, they say in this trailer. For instance, just for instance, some kid, some girl – might drop her baby alligator down, flush it down the toilet while her dad's going to flush it down the toilet. And then all of a sudden, because of all the toxic waste and because we're screwing up the environment, a giant alligator comes. How about that? You with me on that? Uh, that's very plausible. I heard yeah. it happened once. Yeah. <laughs> John Sales wrote all about it. He went on the main- Tons and tons of awesome indie films like Lone Star and just just an incredible like uh, indie filmmaker. But this was one of his early ones, and it's great. And actually, um, I was lucky enough to uh, – they had uh, Robert Forster, who I'm linking this from the other film from Vigilante, and he showed up. 
with Robin Riker at the screening at the new Beverly here, Tarantino's theater, and it was just amazing. We didn't even know Robin Riker was showing up. We knew Forrester was there. We bought our tickets for that. But then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, by the way, Robin Riker's here too. And we're just like, are you kidding me? She's still stunning. Totally stunning. Yeah. And they were, it was funny because the way they were talking was like they just filmed it yesterday. They're just like <laughs> slapping each other on the legs, like, oh, yeah, remember when we had the, you know, you know the, they, they had the giant alligator and blah, blah, blah. And it, as Robert said, he goes, this film actually, it was like a grindhouse film, and everybody looks at it that way, but it made a decent amount of money. It was like a hit, and it played regularly as the movie of the week. And it would get high ratings. He's like, this is probably one of the most notable films I was ever in. (laughs) in (laughs) And it was great because before the movie, Tarantino sets up two like horrible trailers of his where he was like some cop trying to stop the mob and this insane dialogue. And the first thing he'd said when he came up, because he was sitting five rows in back of me and my friend, he was roaring laughing through his own trailers. So he gets up there and he's like, I don't even remember being in those two movies, people. (laughs) He literally said, he goes, I don't even remember those movies. He goes, I remember this one because it was good. And the dialogue was good. And we were like, he goes, even though it was an insane premise, it was, it was, the writing lifted it. It really did. Yeah. And it, it's a fun film where it's a giant alligator going around New York and, you know, hilarity. Yeah, ensues. it is. It's, <laughs> it's, it is one of my favorite animals run amok movies. Uh, it, it just has this charm about it. Uh, even though the premise is, you know, <laughs> it's weird, but uh, it just, it grows on you just like a baby yeah. alligator would if it lived in the sewer and ate, you know, toxic food. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, I don't know, he's great in it. Um, Robin Riker is amazing. There's some, uh, you know, smaller parts in there that, you know, totally make a, a great impression on you, even, in, you know, they're on the screen for a limited amount of time. Um, I'm trying to think, oh, Sidney Lassick. He's in yes. it. You know, mm-hmm. he's not in it for very long, but he's in there enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? If you want to see a bunch of people at a high class, um, one of the things is the mayor is running for office again, and he's hoping they can capture this giant alligator because it'll make his administration look good. <laughs> but he still won't cancel this high class uh shindig they're having even though the alligator's running amok in the town and you get to see the alligator just like spew blood all over lots of white clothing <laughs> it's just amazing it's just all these people really dressed all night there's blood flying and you get to see a woman you know in the in the alligator's mouth being slung around and thrown up against the car it's like this is great yeah <laughs> And it's all the things you've ever wanted to do at some snooty party, but you couldn't because you could go to jail. But an yeah. alligator can totally mm-hmm. just go in and just massacre everyone. Yeah. And he gets away with it. 
hey, it, it is like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Hey, who the hell invited the alligator to the party? <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't know he was going to lose his mind. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to drink too much. <laughs> All right. We are getting low on time. Let me play the trailer. And I also found one of my favorite scenes from the movie, one of the greatest lines of dialogue that I quote in odd situations. Here we go. An alligator half that size would starve in a week. There's no sunlight. There are toxic fluids and gases. Not to mention the question of how it got there in the first place. You're looking at the one we saw. And it was thick. You said it was dark. Now, perhaps you're mistaken. Okay. Thanks very much for your help. Can I borrow this book? You can have it. Excuse me. Uh, Dr. Kendall, could there be another animal down there that could possibly be this size? Nothing I know of. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Thought you'd be some kind of help. Uh, she's the leading authority. Now, it was worth a try. Because a kid, she lives with snakes. What the hell are you talking about? I didn't say she was normal. I said she had the word on alligators. Now, look, why don't you give it up, Dave? One of your nightmares. Nightmare your ass. There's something down there. Now, it'll take a lot of guys, but we'll flush them out. lady an idea of how big he was. Just a guess. Was it as big as he is? You know an El Dorado. Car. No, a refrigerator. Of course a car. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest line of dialogue ever spoken. <laughs> an El Dorado. You mean the car? No, a refrigerator. Of course the car. <laughs> As I recall, all the kids in Alligator are pretty streetwise. They're, oh, you know, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Such oh, a good movie. Stealing, stealing scenes left and right is Michael Gazzo, ladies and gentlemen, who, of course, has been in, like, Godfather films and stuff like that. But, before, you know, in between, did a lot of genre movies and... What a great line of dialogue. I didn't say she was normal. I said she's, he was the authority. <laughs> <laughs> and I might as well segue right into, uh, I'm linking Michael Gazzo. He played the police chief in The Alligator, and he plays the police chief in Fear City. Uh, He's not doing a great job at being a police chief. No, he's not. <laughs> there are a lot of problems going out of Fear City, too. Which, of course, Fear City being Times Square in New York and 1984 in New York, which was an awesome time for Times Square. If you have watched the series The Deuce on HBO and have joined it as much as I have, 
you need to find Fear City. Trista, listen to this cast. Melanie Griffith, Radon Chong, Tom Berenger, and Billy D. Williams, all on the box. Why would you not rent this movie? Like, yeah, yeah only a crazy person would turn this down. Yeah, I uh, saw it at the theater. I took a date to this movie. Can you believe <laughs> And I got her, but she was kind of a, a cool chick, and she's like, well, I like Melanie Griffith, and I like Billy Williams. I'm like, okay, we're in. And halfway <laughs> through the movie, thank goodness she was hip, she's like, I, this was not the movie I thought it was going to be. I go, no, and same here. It's a, <laughs> there's a sociopath on the loose in Times Square, and Tom Berenger runs a quote-unquote talent agency uh, with women of the night. Who else? They strip, they're prostitutes, um, but he treats them with respect. You know, he's the Tom Berenger, so he's the nice guy. And he's a pimp with a heart of gold. He pimp with a <laughs> awesome, yes, <laughs> well put. And uh, the uh, hookers with a heart of gold are Melanie Griffith and Radon Chung, and everybody besides them in the agency starts getting killed off. And then finally Ray Don Chong, and then, of course, Billy D. Williams shows up as the good cop and tries to, you know, uh, track this psycho down who, it's really weird, that he's a weird kind of sociopathic character. You got this in a lot of these movies, and you got it like in um, uh, all of the um, Michael Mann movies, the early ones like Manhunter, just these really strange dudes and strangely enough, they were that these really, you know, just like most serial killers had these really odd ways of going about stalking people and killing people. And this guy's pretty gnarly. He just also happens to try and be a martial artist. Which that is was hilarious. Really? That was yeah. the part of this movie where I was like, what? Yeah. He's, he's like a Bruce Lee acolyte gone bad. Uh, when I went back and saw this recently, it was showed up on the Shout Factory channel on my Roku, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be up till 2 in the morning. I'm watching this. Uh, but I, who I kept thinking of was Van Damme. Oh, God. <laughs> if they remade Fear City, Van Damme would be the sociopath. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I think he'd totally do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's play a little taste of the trailer here. Beer City. New York City. Open 24 hours. Here, pleasure is business. The night belongs to the girls. But the girls belong to Matt Rossi. You want to work the Metropole setting Sunday night? Honey. Uh, honey works at Mike's 9 to 1, Friday and Sunday. Layla. Ruby. Loretta. Is she really worth it? Yeah, she's really worth it. Everyone is watching them. Someone is waiting for them. Now, everyone in New York... Is living in Fear City. I mean, it's a, a great Abel Ferrara film, and just 
all the grittiness of New York, all the all the you know weird people, all the weird personalities. I it's just a great film. Uh, let's get to the final round. We have about ten minutes left, and final round. What do you have for us, Trista? I have <clears throat> for my final movie, uh, The Legacy, from 1978. Uh, I'm linking from Frogs through Sam Elliott. Uh, the Legacy is probably one of my favorite movies. Um, I'd put it in my top 20. It's uh, this, the, I love the premise. There's like this uh, very wealthy man who has uh, these people. Uh, there's like a wealthy couple, um, a high-priced call girl, there's um, a rock star. He's got all these people that are his heirs, and he's uh, looking for a new heir. And um, that's what the legacy is. Uh, this movie is its kind of scary. It ha- it's scary in parts. Um, it's very dark um, as far as the premise is concerned, but it's got these wonderful... Um, pieces, uh, well, the kills, you know, all the deaths are very beautifully done uh, and original. Um, and it, it has a, a great happy, or is it unhappy, ending. You know, it's kind of open-ended. Mm-hmm. It depends on, uh, you know, where your morals lie, I guess. <laughs> uh, and you get to see Sam Elliott and Catherine Ross, like, fall in love on film because this is the movie, even though they'd done uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid together um, earlier, this is the one where they were like, uh-huh, you again. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they were huge at the time, and I mean, this movie uh, did very well and was always uh, all the a lot of these movies would go from being like Grindhouse to be like Movie of the Weeks. Because they made a lot of money. This was a based on a very, very, very popular novel, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was huge. I remember the book. I remember every when I was in high school, every girl was reading the book and they're passing it around. And then when it got made into a movie, it was like a big deal. And then that's oh, why I, I, I actually some, read yeah. the book before I even saw the movie. There um, you go. <laughs> I mean, but I was. Already, I mean, this was way after. Um, I, I think I first saw the legacy in the eighties, sometime late eighties, maybe mid eighties. But I had I'd gotten my hands on the book, and then I found out that it was a movie too. So I like ran right out there and had to see it. Mm-hmm. Let's play a little of the trailer. Uh- Jason Mount Olive is a man with many friends. Jason will give you such wealth. To each he has given anything. He will fulfill every whim. And everything. Every fancy. They've ever desired. Every dream. Now they've been reunited for one last time. 
each to receive one last gift, the legacy. When he calls us, we come. No! It's me! Peggy. It's me! Peggy. I'm the one! To you, I bequeath my power, my knowledge, and my estate. Who is it? Six have come to claim his inheritance. Five discover the lifeless body. Four watch in horror as another dies. Then there were three. Then two. But only one can receive the legacy. Ooh, I wonder who ends up with it. Uh, yes. Let's get into my final round. Uh, Ms. 45 is easily able for our masterpiece. 1981, the late Zoe Tamerlis Lund in this movie. It, it, it's, the, it, it, it's the grisliest film of what I like to call the female vigilante genre, which mm. of course includes I Spit on Your Grave and it's women being attacked, women being pushed too far. And then this one has uh, Zoe plays Thana, who works in the garment district, all of Abel Ferrara's films are in New York. He's, he's a voice of the gritty side of that city. And um, poor Thana gets raped twice in one day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, <laughs> not good. It's a, ugly ugly movie but then turns into this like beautiful film of female empowerment where she actually kind of like well she does she loses her mind she goes mute when she gets raped the second time right that was when she when she goes mute and just she uh dresses herself as a nun she blesses some bullets and uh goes out for a night in the town of killing dudes <laughs> yeah. left and right but it's so beautifully shot and if you've seen the bad lieutenant you've seen another great uh abel ferrara film but this is the one that just it's amazing it's beautifully shot she's wonderful in it and what i thought was interesting there was an interview with her where somebody asked you know what the script was like and she said each page just had a paragraph of what was going to happen. Most of this film, because she said she goes mute, there's not a lot, there's no dialogue. So everything was all in the set design, all in the production design, and it shows. And yeah, I think you know as well as I do, this film has been put on more illegal t-shirts and more illegal posters, <laughs> the art and the... <laughs> from this it's a very it, 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 uh, goth girls like this women that want to be empowered like this film you know i'm taking i'm taking it back uh sort of film uh, any words from you on uh miss 45 before uh i would close this out uh, I, <clears throat> I agree sorry about that <clears throat> miss 45 is one of his master abel ferrara's masterpieces i you know what? I actually pretty much love everything he's done, but I would say this and King of New York are my two favorites. Oh yeah. Um, they're both so damn beautiful in their violence. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the way that the violence is depicted, it's um, you know, 
just poetry. Uh, I don't know. I, it, yeah, the trailer. The trailer is. Um, reason I'm just closing with it is because I had to find a VHS trailer to actually describe the plot. Otherwise, it was all music and all uh-huh. themes because that's that. That's how he initially wanted it sold. You know, it's a, it's a film with very little dialogue, and any of the dialogue that's in it is usually from men, and they're usually assholes towards her. <laughs> yeah. The women don't say a lot in this film with words. The woman in this film says a lot with her actions, and it's just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, thank you very much for coming on again and going through the grindhouse world with me. I really appreciate it, Trista. Oh, you know, I love swimming in the muck with you. <laughs> so, uh, anytime I, I totally enjoyed it. I thank you for having me again. And, uh, I really enjoyed revisiting. I mean, some of these movies that you mentioned, I hadn't watched in a long time. So, it's uh you know good to talk about vigilante, you know, <laughs> and fear yeah. and things like that. <laughs> well, I follow you on Instagram, of course, and I I'm always jealous, and I'm gonna have to come up there to Portland and visit you because you have just as good of a revival scene up there as we do down here, and every time you're going to see something, I'm like, damn, I wish I were there seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, come on down. We'll have a good time. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Trista. And we are going to leave with the Ms. 45 trailer. Everybody have a great day. An innocent woman. You make one sound. I'm going to stick this thing in your mouth. Then I'm going to shoot it off. Victim of an unspeakable act. Torn by the shame. Haunted by the terror. I'll be back. Silenced by the memory. A woman under pain. Master can give you a lift somewhere. I'm a shoe salesman, you know, and I do a lot of work upstate, go to town two or three days at a time. You'll enjoy yourself. Have fun. You call him up, bring a lawyer? Get out! I can't do it! A woman's rage. Like the other girls. A woman's fury. What do you say? My studio's right around the corner. Uh, nobody's going to be there. But you got nothing to lose. A woman's revenge. Perhaps you'd like to come with me tonight. A woman's madness. No! If you want to know more about Six Degrees of Retro, go to at Six Degrees of Retro on Instagram. Also, Trista Perez on Instagram. Also, there is the website, The Video Vixen, where you can read more reviews from Trista Perez. Everybody, happy Grindhouse viewing.